Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Monday, March 4th, episode number 735. This is also known as Mailbox Monday. So today I'm going to answer a couple of questions from listeners. Really, I've been getting a lot of the same questions lately. I'm going to keep addressing them because I think that the issues are so important. We're going to be talking a little bit about um, how do we talk our, how do we talk to our children about topics as tender as uh, abortion? and maybe reframe it in the light of adoption. And I'm going to touch a little bit on the topic of yoga today, and we'll we'll hit that more in greater detail at another episode of the podcast. And then I'm going to give you my thoughts on the day of mourning and what's currently happening in Washington, D.C. as it relates to the fight for life. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Right, you guys. So thank you, everybody who came out to Lakeland, Florida for my women's conference. This year's theme is Miracle Worker, the life-changing power of following Jesus. You know, every time I do this, I'm so encouraged to see uh, women of all ages from all different backgrounds coming with their hearts full of anticipation for what the Lord is going to do as we get into his word together. And this was an encouragement to me. Uh, thanks to everybody at Ardella Baptist Church for sponsoring this event. If you are interested in bringing my women's conference to your area, please reach out to us and let us know. We are booking can, we are booking conference locations right now for 2020 and beyond. My 2019 schedule is full, but you can reach out to us by emailing my assistant. Her name's Melissa, Melissa at thebusymom.com. The venue needs to seat at least 300 women. Uh, we'd like for it to be able to seat more, but the minimum is 300 and then we will do all the work. We're just looking for uh, venues. So let us know by emailing Melissa at thebusymom.com. Coming up in my schedule, I will be in Northwest Arkansas and in Nashville. Both of these events are sponsored by Teach Them Diligently. If you're not aware of what's going on with Teach Them Diligently, you need to be. So you can find them just by Googling Teach Them Diligently Convention. They are doing a fantastic job of helping parents raise their children to love and follow and serve the Lord Jesus. So yes, it's a homeschool focus, but I think it's much more than that. It's family discipleship. It's encouraging mothers to embrace the role that God has given us in raising and influencing this generation of children. It's an encouragement to fathers. Uh, come on out, bring your whole family. I can't wait to see you. Uh, I will be in Rogers, Arkansas from the 21st through the 23rd of March and in Nashville, Tennessee from March 28th through the 30th. And I think I'm going to have a whole bunch of my kids with me. So cannot wait to see you guys coming out for those events. Um, a couple of, of things, several of you, I'm not really sure why this is happening, but several of you have emailed me recently uh, on the topic of yoga. I know that there are several Christian uh, ministries that are doing yoga right now. I know holy yoga is one of them. And I was approached actually several weeks ago at an event where I was speaking from a woman who grew up 
uh, in a secular home, but she began to teach yoga, I want to say at the age of 18 and became very, uh, very well known teaching. It has written a book about it. And that's all I'm going to give you for right now. So she's going to come on the show and talk about her perspective. And I think that what it's done with me, and at least, and I'm still praying about it, but I think sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And it's really important to talk to people who actually do know uh, what's going on, The maybe the undercurrent, the underbelly, if you will, the spiritual underbelly of yoga. And this woman says, hey, it's more than stretches. And so she's coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And I want you just to be encouraged to seek the Lord for yourself, right? So we talk about this all the time on the podcast. Remember, I'm saying you, you can't give your kids what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. And so if we're going to be encouraging to our children and an example to people around us in the culture, it would behoove us to really understand the things that we're talking about as they relates to God's word. So before this woman comes on the show, I'm going to give you a couple of weeks to be uh, thinking about this for yourself and to be uh coming before the Lord and asking the asking the Holy Spirit to give you strength to open your eyes uh, to look this subject up from the from the perspective of a person who wants to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. So I'm going to kind of leave it there for right now and uh, we'll pick it up again a little bit later. Um, I got a really interesting email from a young mom. Her name's Heather. So hey, Heather, this is for you. She said, Heidi, what are your thoughts on youth sporting events that are held on Sunday mornings? I have four young kids and we're just starting to enter this territory. First of all, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because as a woman who's raised seven children, I can tell you right now, uh, the sport mom thing is real and it's a lot of work and a lot of commitment. And uh, I've seen it go sideways. I've seen it work out great for families and I've seen it go sideways. And I think we need to be very, very careful that we're doing what God wants us to do. One of the one of the companies you guys know, I've talked about this before on the podcast that I very greatly respect is Chick-fil-A. And actually, I was just in New York City. <laughs> I was just in New York City the other day on a Sunday, right? Because I flew out of uh, JFK on Monday. And on Sunday, I'm in New York City and I'm like, I tell my husband, I'm like, oh man, we see uh, Chick-fil-A, right? Right across the street. So we drive over there like we do every Sunday as we, as if we don't know this already. And then we, this collective sigh of, oh, that's right. They're not open. And I said to my husband, I wonder how many hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably even more than that, that these guys give up because they're not willing to be open on Sunday because people like me want to go there after church and we're really dying for their Polynesian sauce with their awesome chicken nuggets and they're closed. And we're like, listen, we just came from church and we're, we're going to give you our Sunday afternoon lunch money and they're closed. Why are they closed? They're closed as they're, it's an offering to the Lord. They're closed. He's closing to say, listen, this is a day that we give to the Lord. Now I have a lot of Christian friends who disagree that it has to be Sunday. And so this is where I believe you really need to seek the Lord for your family, right? I think what happens sometimes is that we we say, oh, our kids have have a sporting event on Sunday morning and therefore we'll do church on Wednesday night or we'll do church on Saturday, but then we don't actually do it. And that is a greater concern for me that we're not setting that time aside and we're hoping that the Lord's just gonna bless it by default. And so I'm, I don't really feel like I'm in a position to say yes or no to it, but I can tell you right now that God honors it when we set time aside to worship him, 
right? So the woman who's writing this letter to me is a Sunday school teacher. And she says she feels like Sunday morning church is a priority for them, but their church also offers a Monday night service. So if your church offers a Monday night service, I see absolutely no reason uh, that you can't go to that one. So my, my main thing is just to say, keep the main thing, the main thing. Right. So keep the main thing, the main thing. I know friends who have boycotted uh, Sunday morning practices. Our family never did that because my husband is or was for almost 20 years uh, a full time pastor. And so it was never an option for us. But I do think there's a little bit of saying we have we've sort of relegated our responsibility to worship with other believers and to set our set this time aside and say, hey, this time belongs to the Lord and nobody's going to take it. And we do it for sports and we do it for rest and we do it to sleep in, to go to bedside Baptist, right? We've all done it. I've done it. And I know that I'm stronger when I actually set that time aside and make it a priority. And you know what's more? My kids are also stronger. Your children are watching you. They will value what you value. And so if you can't go on Sunday morning, my question to you is, what what time are you setting aside for your children to show them that you prioritize the worship of the Lord Jesus and you prioritize worshiping together with other believers? And how is it that your children are seeing that play out in your life? Because I just like this writer, I see it a lot too. You know, a basketball tournament's not going to hurt. Sorry, my child's not going to be in Sunday school because we're away in a tournament or it can be anything. Right. It doesn't have to be sports. I mean, we're talking about sports, but it doesn't have to be sports. And I think that the answer to that is, A, we come before God and we say, Father, open my eyes. Is there anything that I'm doing that is grieving you? And God is good to show us what he uh, what grieves his spirit. And so you need to be doing that. I think, you know, sometimes we lob Bible verses at each other and we, you know, we shoot we shoot each other and we play spiritual games of chicken with things like this. And can I just encourage you not to do that? There's a lot going on in the culture right now. And uh, sometimes you guys send me, I got several of them this week. Sometimes you send me emails and you want me to tackle things that don't carry uh, eternal significance with them. There are several things I won't tackle on the podcast. And some of you know, because I'll write you back and say, hey, I appreciate it. Here's my personal opinion on this, but it's so divisive that I don't want to tackle that on the podcast because what happens is we people start fighting over things that, that don't carry eternal significance with them. And so you need to be seeking the Lord. This is not something that we need to be lobbing uh, spiritual grenades at each other over cross-denominational lines. One of the things I loved about the day of mourning in Albany this last week was the number of denominations that were represented there. So there were thousands and thousands of people there and we came we we crossed denominational lines. You can always tell. I love it when I speak at events like this because you can always tell the 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 charismatics from the conservatives and the you know people that kind of that you know uh stare in sort of awestruck wonder <laughs> at the people who are dancing and singing. But you know it was awesome to me. Everybody was there for the same reason. We were there because we love the Lord and we know that abortion grieves the heart of the father. And we got to meet, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. So that's Heather. That's what I really encourage you to do. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And uh, of course, I'm going to encourage people if, if at all possible, um, go to church. Hello. We need to be fellowshipping with each other. And I think we know when our priorities are out of whack. So I'm not going to sit here and lecture anybody because honestly, I think you guys are growing up and I think, you know, when you're blowing it, like I know when I'm blowing it. Right. I know when I sleep in because I just don't want to. Right. And we can make all kinds of excuses. And again, I'm going to take you back to Chick-fil-A and just say those guys are actually doing it right. Why? It's an issue of priorities. And so I'll leave it at that. I got another letter 
from Becky. Becky has a, a pretty serious question that she asked, and it's important. I'm going to address it because I think it's important for us to be talking about the pain that uh, gender dysphoria, this issue of homosexuality in the church is inflicting on our children and also sort of our unwillingness to address it. So she started out by saying, Heidi, thank you for your podcast and the encouragement that you share with us on a regular basis. I can't even count how many times a particular topic on your show has reached me right where I needed it, as if God told you himself that you needed to talk about it just for me. So thank you, Becky, for writing about that. She goes on to say, one topic that has been in the forefront of my mind lately is your encouragement to speak with our children about what is going on in the culture. I feel like we've done a pretty good job speaking to them about issues of sex, gender dysphoria, homosexuality, and others. They're not easy topics, but speaking to them from the perspective of God's word makes it easier. That's totally right, Becky, because here's the thing. Uh, We're not telling them this is what we think. We're trying to teach our children this is what God says. This is the responsibility of parents, right? Becky goes on to say, however, there's one topic I struggle with. We live in New York. And as I'm sure you know by now, our state has passed the most progressive, permissive, barbaric abortion law that our country has ever seen. The issue of the sanctity of life is near and dear to my heart, and it's difficult to think about it without feeling sadness and despair. And now with the new law in New York, my sadness and despair have risen to a whole new level. My children are 10, 8, and 5. The older two know about the moral issues that our culture are facing, but they know nothing of abortion. It's one thing to explain to them how some people are confused about the kind of person they should marry or confused about their gender, but I struggle to let them know that we live in a world where it's legal and acceptable to murder an innocent child. I remember when I learned about abortion as a child, it was a traumatic pill to swallow. Do you have any words of wisdom? I'm really struggling. All right. So first of all, Becky, if you weren't struggling with it, I'd wonder what was wrong with you, (laughs) right? This is a tough issue. Uh, It is barbaric. It is horrific. And uh, I think as a nation, we are being confronted right now with our own complicit, uh, our own complicity in where we've gotten to be right now, because the church has, has been utterly silent for, in, for many, many years. And I wrote about this with the, and I'll talk about it more in a few minutes, but I wrote about this on my podcast or on my, um, my blog the other day, because I'm just so frustrated with the church. And so I understand where your frustration comes from. And so there are a couple of things that, that I would say, uh, First of all, your kids, your kids do need to know that this is what's going on around them. I don't know that your five-year-old needs to know that. All right. When your children start to ask you, so this is how we've addressed the topic of abortion in our home. We have been on the forefront of the pro-life movement now for many, many years. Our kids have gone down to abortion clinics with us and they have stood on street corners. We've done it uh, on Mill Plain in Vancouver. We did it several years ago. Um, when Planned Parenthood, when it when those videos were released and we could see the barbarism and the wickedness behind it, it sort of it sort of right, lights a fire under us. And then we go back to sort of, you know, uh, life as usual, because I think we get discouraged. But I took my children. Several people said, why did you take your kids out there? I took my children because I want them to know they have a voice and God has given them a voice to speak for the unborn. The Bible says in Jeremiah that, that this is what it's like to know him to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And so uh, we have we have explained to our children that this is something that the United States allows. It's something that we pray about with our children. And I'll never forget years ago, and this is, again, I mean, you have to know, you're the mom, Becky, so you have to be listening to the Lord. And God will show you. Even the little things, I think sometimes we just, we 
we don't remember that God sees the ages of our children and he'll give us the wisdom to tell them what they need to know when they need to know it. So if your child's not asking and it's not on, it hasn't been on your heart, then it's probably not the time for you just to jump into that conversation. Our family, on the other hand, has been called to the front lines of this battle. And so it's a, we're coming at it from a different perspective. And I'll never forget my son when he was about seven years old. Uh, I was pregnant with somebody. I can't remember. I was pregnant all the time. <laughs> my kids forgive me for a, for never remembering who it was I was pregnant with when you know certain things happened in the Senate or or we moved to a particular location or whatever it was. But I remember Spencer coming to me, and we were reading that day as our family often does. We were sitting on the couch reading, and uh, the baby that I was pregnant with was kicking and hiccuping. And Spencer wanted to come over and put his, he would often put his head on my tummy and just feel her hiccuping. You guys ever, you know what I'm talking about when that baby hiccups inside you, it's such a precious thing. And he sat there and his head was on my belly and he could feel her hiccups. And at one point I think she moved, I don't know what, you know, they move their limbs across your body and you can't tell if it's a knee or an elbow or a hand or whatever it is, but it went from one side of my belly all the way to the other and kind of lifted his head up off of my off of my belly. And he looked at me and he said, mama, I heard something. And I said, what did you hear? And he said, I heard that in the United States, that babies who are not born can be taken out of their mothers before they're ready. And I said, that's true. And his eyes just filled with tears. You know, our children actually know that this is wrong. Children instinctively know that this is wrong. And we didn't need to go into detail with him. It was enough for him to have heard it. Probably he heard it from one of his older siblings. I don't know. But I was very gentle with him. And I said, you know what? I said, God sees that this is happening. And we need to continue to pray that it stops. And we do everything we can by voting. We do everything we can by talking to people. And he said, Mama, what can I do? And here I'm just shocked. Here this little boy. He's not little anymore. He's like, you know, uh, 18. But this little boy felt a sense of a compulsion to actually get in to the game and get onto the battlefield. And so we took him down to our local crisis pregnancy center because we were getting ready to go on the road. It was uh, during my speaking season. And he went down there and he said, what can I do? And they gave him, you know, their giant baby bottle. And they asked him if he could raise money for sonogram machines across the country. And so that's what he did. So Spencer was able to uh, speak to audiences, as many as 500 people. And everywhere we stopped, he would take about five minutes and say, my name is Spencer. And I don't know if you know this, but babies that are not born yet can be killed in this country. And ultrasounds help keep that from happening. That was the simplest way that we could think of. He said, when, when mothers see their babies on an ultrasound screen, they're less likely to have an abortion. And that kid raised several thousand dollars just passing that little baby bottle around and people would fill it with money. And I was so proud of him at the end of that season. And and something that encouraged me, A, your children need to know that they're not helpless in this. Because I think what happens is we feel helpless and we feel overwhelmed and we're not. We serve the Lord of heaven's armies. God sees that this is happening. He is not unaware. God hears the prayers of your children. And in fact, sometimes I think those prayers of our children are such a sweet fragrance to the Lord. I can literally picture him bending down to listen. And so... Listen to what the Lord is telling you. And when it's time to share with your children, share with your children. It will be different from one family to the next. And speaking of the abortion uh, the abortion debate, if you will, in this country, last Monday, a week ago, uh, Democrats, in an appalling show of disdain for the lives of unborn babies, blocked a Senate abortion bill. 
that would have protected them. It was the Child Born Alive Act. Basically, the Senate voted uh, on Monday to block consideration of the measure. And I listened to this thing live and it was so appalling to me. I actually couldn't believe it was happening because I know that uh, Senator Sass made a motion for cloture. So in other words, he was he was going to he was saying, let's vote. Let's bring debate to an end so we can actually bring this to the floor for a vote. So I thought, oh, everybody will vote to end debate. Well, no, it became a game at that point. And the Senate would fail to even bring debate to a close. So they so in their unwillingness to bring debate to a close, it can never be brought to the floor for a vote. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's basically a parliamentary trick that um, they use a procedural motion on the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act, and it denied the necessary 60 votes that it needed to proceed. So the final vote count was 53 in favor and 44 opposed. Now, this is the thing, you guys. Here's something I want you to understand. Every single person that's running for president on the Democratic side of the aisle right now voted, listen to me, they voted against giving medical care to babies who are born alive during botched abortions. Every single one of them. Now, call me crazy, but I am one of those annoying values voters. And this is the deal breaker for me. You don't protect life. I don't care what your thoughts are about the economy. I really don't. And that's really, that should be the posture that every believer takes. If it breaks God's heart, it should break our heart. And if they won't value life, then honestly, who cares what they think about the economy? right? You guys, this bill would have required, this is all this bill was. It would have required a healthcare practitioner to quote, exercise the same degree of professional skill, care, and diligence to preserve the life and health of the child as he would any other child born alive at the same gestational age. And these senators one by one rejected that bill. They rejected it. Now, they argued that it represented an unjustified attack on abortion rights, right? Because these guys are afraid. Abortion is the sacred cow of the left. They'll do almost anything to protect a woman's right to kill her unborn child. It's murder, but they call it choice. So I, I say we just stop mincing words, right? And what they're, what they're saying is that they want, they're saying it would prevent doctors from exercising their best medical judgment. Well, if you're, doctors take a Hippocratic oath, it's first do no harm. And to me, this would protect doctors. It would actually allow them to do what they went to medical school to do, which is first do no harm. And we heard the revolting, disgusting governor, Governor Northam of Virginia, just a couple of weeks ago, describe in great detail what would happen if a child was born alive after a botched abortion. He said that child will be kept comfortable. Thank you, Governor Northam. Thank you for that. And then after that, he said, a conversation would ensue between the doctor and the mother. Well, in my opinion, you'll pardon me, that's a criminal conversation. There's nothing to discuss. You have a child that's alive on the table gasping for air. And what we're going to do is make it comfortable and decide whether or not that child lives or dies. A living human being. I flew out to New York City last week to stand in the gap in solidarity with the unborn of this nation. And I'm asking my listeners to do the same thing. Find out how you can get involved. Find out what you can do. At the very least, we should be praying. I met a, a wonderful, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I'm sure the simulcast is still available. Uh, check it out because there was a, a woman who went in to have an abortion and a pro-life 
activist was there. You guys show up to these abortion clinics. You don't have don't be a jerk, please. We're not asking you to show up and yell and scream and throw things and hold up horrible signs. That's not what we're asking you to do. There is power in our prayers. And I think sometimes we forget how powerful our prayers. We don't fight, according to Ephesians, against flesh and blood. This is not against politicians. They're just doing the work of the person of, of the one that this is really against. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 6 that the, that the battle that we rage is not against flesh and blood. It, it's against a principality. It's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And your prayers are powerful. So even if you just went down to your local abortion clinic and you stood there for a couple of hours and you just prayed, it's powerful. Your presence is powerful. And this young woman pulled up and she said, you know, uh, uh, a gentleman came and said, can I talk to you about your baby, about the age that your baby is right now? And she said, of course, I didn't want to talk to him. But she said, my window was cracked open a little bit. And this guy took advantage of the fact her window was cracked open and he slipped a little pro-life pamphlet in her window. And she said she already felt in her spirit that it was wrong. She she already was going to an abortion clinic knowing in her spirit this was not what she wanted to do. And this gentleman who gave her that pamphlet didn't say anything. He put it in her window and then he just backed off and he went over to wherever it was he was praying and continued to pray. She walked into that abortion clinic. She gave them her name and her ID and $400, which is all it takes to take the life of a human being in this country. It's $400. That's how much your baby is worth. It'll cost you It'll cost you 30000 if you want to adopt, but it's only $400 if you want to kill your child. And just, just let that sit. But she said she, she opened up that pamphlet when she was sitting there waiting for her name to be called. And right at the very beginning, it said that children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. And she turned the page and she saw a picture of her baby at the gestational age that she was. And she looked at her boyfriend and she, and she showed him the picture and he said, you don't have to stay. And she went home and she brought her little six month old baby Nazareth to the, to the, uh, to the convention where we were praying. And I'm telling you what, there wasn't a dry eye in that room. She said, if I had listened to the voices that wanted me to kill my child, I would have missed out on the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. And that's become a mother to this precious baby girl. That is the message of the pro-life generation. We're being lied to. Women are being lied to. And we have an opportunity to stand in the gap for them. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. When you see what's happening, you guys, there's not a, there is not a Christian. I'm sorry. I know this is hardcore. I pray you'll forgive me. There's not a Christian on the planet who should be voting for someone who's running for office, particularly for the presidency of the United States, who would allow a child born alive to suffer and die on the table while physicians stand around him and do nothing to help. It's a sad commentary on where we are as a nation, but I want to remind you, A, you're not powerless. You serve the Lord of Heaven's armies. B, God hears your prayers. And C, I believe that the wind is at the back of the pro-life movement right now because of the extreme measures the Democrats are taking to protect a woman's right to kill her own child. So pay attention to what's happening around you. Ask the Lord how you can get involved. At the very least, we should be praying. We should definitely be praying. If you guys have questions, I know these are these are. These are uh, tough questions. Someone asked me the other day, you know, do you, you know, did you ever tired of talking about hard issues? And the, the simple answer is yes. But something tells me that if Martin Luther King were alive today, he wouldn't be wasting the platform that God gave him by sharing uh, memes about puppies on Facebook. I think he'd be engaging the culture around him. That's what God asks us to do. We are called to know and defend the word of God. If it breaks the heart of God, it should break our heart too. 
The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed of the Lord, you have a message, a message of hope and change that the entire world needs to hear. If you'd like your question addressed over at Mailbox Monday, go ahead and shoot us an email, podcast at thebusymom.com. You need to put only Mailbox Monday in the subject line. If anything else goes in the subject line, it will not be filtered into the right mailbox and we will likely miss your question. So please shoot us that email, podcast at thebusymom.com. Also want to let you know that we have loved to see your reviews for this podcast coming in on iTunes. Thank you so much. We're going to come up on a thousand reviews over there, you guys. So encouraging. If this podcast encourages you, it would encourage us if you would leave a review, uh, rate the podcast and leave a review over at iTunes. Also, we want to encourage you to start a Mom Strong International group. You can start one in your church. You can start one in your home. We're going to encourage you to prioritize the study of God's word with us at 2019. You guys are going to be amazed at what God will do if you'll just give him a few minutes of your time every single day. If you would like to support this ministry or reach out to us via the mail, please write to us. Uh, You can write to me, Heidi St. John, care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day with your kids. Be in the word, and I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.